Hello, it is 5th of August 2018 and this is episode 75 of Scavengers Horde, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kirsty. We're here to deliver a regular rundown of Star's news, analysis and commentary, with a focus on the sequel trilogy and the future of the saga. So, Kirsty, have you been able to do any Star Wars stuff this week? I strongly doubt it. But <laughs> Not an awful lot, because yes. I've been on holiday. <laughs> but I've still been checking in, because we've had some exciting little tidbits. Exactly. And I also know for a fact that you've been brainstorming ideas for our potential episodes lying ahead, haven't you? Yeah, I have, because, yeah, we want to keep the ball moving and keep thinking about what we want to offer our listeners, and maybe make it a bit more interactive. Yeah. So... We were going to have a poll, right? Yeah, that's right. We were thinking of doing a Twitter poll with an assortment of exciting possibilities for you guys to choose from. We are not yet in a position to announce what those options are, mainly because we haven't had a chance to talk about it yet. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) when we have actually decided on the ones we are most interested in, then we're thinking of passing the baton over to you, dear listeners, so that you can help inform our choices. Because, yeah, like, basically it's been the summer, so we've been on holiday, and it basically means that we haven't been able to do things like super long, intense spotlights, because obviously there's all these kinds of commitments pulling us away and distracting us. But we're going to be moving away from the summer holidays soonish, and then there should be more potential to do spotlights again. So, yeah, we want your help, essentially. So you'll be the you'll be the decision makers, guys. It's going to be very exciting. Yeah, it sounds kind of silly, but I get quite guilty about not being able to do those long episodes in the summer. Oh, really? Because, you know, we have lives. But <laughs> but that's the stuff that I love doing, and I know that our listeners love that about our show. Mm. So, yeah, it'll be nice to kind of get back to those. Yeah, no, definitely. So I really do like the spotlights. It's fun. Like, it's obviously a bit more work because you need to actually prepare it. Like, you can't typically, like, wing a one-hour intensive character discussion. Um but yeah, that's part of the fun, to be honest, like creatively thinking about things and writing up your notes. So yeah, it'll be good to return to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think we should probably move on to the news for this week because of the aforementioned busy lives that we are both leading at the moment. Yes, we're very important. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we both have very full calendars with uh, appointments and audiences with our adoring fans. No, not really. <laughs> um, <laughs> So yeah, the big news this week is that episode 9 has started filming, which is crazy. The first day of filming was on Wednesday, 1st of August, um, which was announced last week. And yeah, to commemorate the first day of shooting, JJ actually tweeted out a picture along with the following tweet. Grateful for Ryan Johnson and special thanks to George Lucas for creating this incredible world and beginning a story of which we are lucky to be a part. Hashtag 9. And yeah, would you like to describe the picture that JJ put out, Kirsty? Yeah, well, everyone's had fun overanalyzing it and zooming into every possible <laughs> pixel. Yeah. Um, but you can see Finn mm-hmm. or John Boyega. We heard, we don't know if he's in character at that moment. Um, uh, but he's wearing a vest, mm-hmm. so it looks like a new costume if it is actually a costume. Yeah. Um, and then to his right is Chewbacca. Mm-hmm. And then there's someone sat in the seat, which seems to be, well, you can't see the face. And there have been all sorts of theories about who it is. I think it's JJ. Yeah, it's so hard. Like, can you see that there's also the very small image on the monitor of the camera? Yeah, people have been zooming into that too. Yeah, they have. Yeah, because... 
to me, it does look more like a woman. I, I totally oh, understand really? why people are saying JJ, and I get what well, you're saying. Well, the shirt looks like the kind of shirt that he wears. <sighs> I guess, like, it's kind of like one of those Rorschach test things again, you know, where everyone sees what they want to see. But to me, it almost looks like a kind of puffer jacket thing. It reminds me a bit of oh, what okay. Leia wore on Hoff. Mm. You know, it's reminded me of that sort of style. Um, so, and yeah, like, again, it could easily be a strap or a lanyard, who knows? But there is the thing coming down the person's shoulder that looks like it might be a braid or a ponytail or whatever. So, yeah, I, I'm leaning towards a woman, but I, I wouldn't be able to say who. It could be Kelly, it could be Daisy, it could even be Naomi, like the new actress that they've cast. Although I doubt that, to be honest, because I'm not sure they're going to like give her the wheels of the Falcon. Although, who knows? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's impossible to say. So, yeah, <laughs> everyone's just having lots of different theories, and it's yeah, we'll we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> if we ever find out, if we ever see the actual picture of this moment, but yeah, it's JJ being his typically elusive self. Yeah, like oh, here's a picture, but it's not really. Yeah, exactly. Although, having said that, this alone marks a big upgrade in terms of coverage from JJ. Yeah, there's a StarWars.com article saying that they're going to track everything that he puts out. And he he did just make his account public because he's had a private Twitter account for a while. Yes. Um, so I think they must have seen the strategy of Ryan Johnson and Ron Howard and seen how fans respond to it and it keeps them engaged during the wait. So hopefully we can see more. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly what's happened, especially in this case, because there is such a long gap now until the next Star Wars movie because mm-hmm. previously it was always no more than 12 months because it was every December. But obviously because Solo's now been and gone, and that was so shortly after The Last Jedi, December's going to come round with no Star Wars. So they need to find a way of keeping up that momentum. And yeah, I think this is a good way of doing it. True. Also, JJ thanked Ryan in his tweet. Yes, I really liked that because... Mm-hmm. You do see all crazy kinds of conspiracy theories about, oh, JJ hates what Ryan did with his story and Ryan like shat upon everything that JJ set up in The Force Awakens. But I I think that's clearly like a lot of fan projection going on. And I don't for a minute think that that's how JJ feels. I think if anything, JJ felt very inspired and excited by what Ryan did because it was kind of like a creative challenge. You know, it's like, well, I've thrown everything all over the place. And now it's your task to pick that up and take it forward. And the most exciting thing is that the only option for JJ at this stage is to take things forward. He can't really turn back time and put everything back how it was before. And I don't think he'd want to do that. So Yeah, he's only ever spoken positively about what Ryan did. And he said before the movie came out that he was very excited and that Ryan had taken it in a direction that they agreed on a lot of things. Mm. But there were also things that he did differently because he's a different director and writer. Yeah. Um, my favourite new conspiracy theory is that you know you can see the numbers 7 and 9, the Roman numerals <laughs> <Yes>. there <laughs> my favourite new theory <laughs> this is not my theory, by the way <laughs> that is because they don't include 8 there, it means that JJ hates it and wants to erase it from the canon <laughs> I've seen this I have also seen this. this I have seen lots of conspiracy theories along these lines it's absolutely hilarious um it ignores the fact that it's probably just because it's the same camera that was used for Seven and, and Nine. And he's using the same team. Yeah. You know, it's Dan Mindell, right? Director of photography. Yeah. He's on TFA too. Exactly. Um, 
And JJ was executive producer of The Last Jedi. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think people just need to accept that JJ is absolutely fine with The Last Jedi. And yeah, because seriously, if he felt like he had no story to build off of what Ryan did in The Last Jedi, he wouldn't have come back. You know, if he was like, oh, this is a total shit show, I hate what's happened, I hate the direction they've gone in, he wouldn't have wanted to return to it, you know? Mm. So, yeah, I think it's all rather silly. Um, just a quick question on the basis of the director of photography thing. Did you prefer the aesthetic of The Force Awakens or the aesthetic of The Last Jedi? Mm, probably The Last Jedi. I find it really hard, but I actually think The Force Awakens for me. Okay. I, I feel like that's an outlying choice because I do think that most people think that The Last Jedi was more technically proficient. I just think in terms of visual storytelling and just the beauty of the images, there's shots in The Force Awakens that really stand out for me in a way that they didn't quite in The Last Jedi. Like those real like huge close-ups of Rain Kylo's faces with the colours flickering across their faces and stuff. You know, I can't quite think of anything that vivid from The Last Jedi. Although I still love it and think it looks beautiful. Yeah, I, I think both films are absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And I think there's an amazing use of colour in both. And Yeah, I I don't know. I know we've been doing this like choosing between them thing lately, but I don't want to. I love them both. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's mostly instigated by me. I think it's some primal urge to like, hmm, it's just better. Yeah, I know that the Star Wars fandom likes to rank the movies, but I actually really don't. Mm. So Yeah, it's a torturous task for you. There's a Star Wars film for every moment and mood. Yes, that's very true. You have a very good philosophy towards these films. (laughs) Yeah, and the other thing just to point out is obviously that JJ also acknowledged George Lucas. Yeah, it's the final chapter of the Skywalker saga, supposedly. So, makes sense to thank the maker. Yeah, exactly. And I've also seen like rumours that I don't for a minute think are true because I think they're from like movie web via Mike Zero, so you know what that means. But there's like rumours going around about oh they're consulting George Lucas, they want his input on the final chapter. And while I don't for a moment believe that those sources actually have legitimate information, it wouldn't surprise me if JJ had at least had a conversation with George, like oh, about yeah. Ryan. Definitely, because um, there's a phone call between him and Ryan in The Director and the Jedi, right? Mm-hmm. It just makes sense for them to check in with him, and we know he was on set for Solo and offered like tiny little suggestions for things. So it's nice to still keep him slightly involved, or as involved as he wants to be. Yeah, exactly. So if it's meant to cap off everything, then I think it's quite respectful to at least discuss plans with him. Like, not necessarily giving him any like decision, big, huge, critical decisions to make. But he's seen how would you do this and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Then the next story is via Star Wars Newsnet. And they had an interview with a source who spoke to Todd Fisher, who's Carrie Fisher's brother, about where this footage of Leia for episode 9 will be coming from. So basically it's like one big game of telephone. There's like a source told another source who told another source, <laughs> you know, like so it's a bit of a chain. But I think it seems quite reliable. And yeah, would you like to read this story out, Kirsty? Yeah. Um, Star Wars Episode 9 co-writer and director J.J. Abrams recently revealed that Carrie Fisher will be returning in the final instalment of the saga through unused footage from The Force Awakens. We have now learned some additional information about Carrie's return. In an appearance this week on the Resistance broadcast, which is Star Wars Newsnet's podcast, um, ABC News' Clayton Sandell told us that Carrie's brother, Todd Fisher, 
revealed to him that in, in addition to unused footage from Abrams' The Force Awakens, they will also utilize unused footage from Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi. Fisher went on to say that big surprises are coming from this footage and this performance. Sandell broke the news to us an hour after speaking directly to Todd Fisher, the brother of the late Carrie Fisher. Sandell on his discussion with Fisher. I talked to Todd Fisher today about all of this, and he has been talking with J.J. Abrams about it. I asked him, because the press release only said The Force Awakens, so I asked about The Last Jedi, and they are also using unused footage from The Last Jedi. I asked him how many minutes of footage they had from it, and he said, I can't tell you that. (laughs) He said there were big surprises coming. Big surprises with this movie, this performance, and the unused footage, and said this one is really for the fans. But they apparently have a number of unused minutes from both The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. Todd and the whole family are very excited and wanted it to happen. And then the article goes on to um, include these comments from Ryan. Um, In speaking with Inverse last December, Ryan Johnson spoke on scenes of carries that didn't make the final cut of The Last Jedi, as well as discussions he had with J.J. Abrams about the potential for using that material in Episode 9. This was from Ryan. There weren't any big scenes. There were smaller scenes that structurally just ended up falling away. Same as there were with any of the other characters, but there wasn't any big and significant. I had a conversation with JJ and said, you can take a look at anything we didn't use, but I don't think there's anything there. The truth is, there isn't a ton of her that we shot that we didn't use in the movie. Hmm. So this is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's like, okay, was Ryan just being coy at that time? Because we didn't get any deleted scenes with Carrie in The Last Jedi, right? Yeah. So obviously at that point, I mean, by the time they put the Blu-ray out, which was April of this year, they must have decided that this was where they were going. Yes. So, hmm, we don't know anything about these deleted scenes. <laughs> it is so, so tricky. Because <laughs> the Force Awakens stuff, we have more of an idea, don't we? Yeah. There's all that stuff from that um, teaser with Maz and her exchanging the saber. Mm. And in the commentary, JJ said that originally they were going to show Leia before she reunites with Han, but then they decided to save it so that you kind of get Leia from Han's perspective. Yeah. Um, and we also know that the discussion that Han and Leia had about Ben on the resistance base, that was originally completely different. And then I think after Harrison's accident, they went back and they basically reshot that entire scene. So that okay. the dialogue was all different. Like initially it was much more expository and contained a lot more information about what happened with Snoke and everything. Interesting. Yeah. Like I think the version that was originally shot, I think the novelization of The Horse Awakens is the best reference point for that. Because I get the impression that that's what they initially filmed before they went back and changed it. Okay, I'm going to have to go back and look at passages like that, but I do seem to remember that it's a lot more like, no, it was Snoke, and we didn't tell you because we didn't think that you would react very well. And Yeah, it's that sort of thing. It's a lot more... Um, it She really emphasises that... I mean, I know she says in the film, like, he seduced our son to the dark side, but they really go into more detail, right? Yeah. That he was there in the shadows watching always. Yeah. The only thing I could think with that sort of material is if they were to take Carrie's parts from that, but in, have instead of having it be a conversation with Han, which obviously wouldn't happen in nine for obvious reasons, have it be a conversation with Ray or another character. Mm-hmm. Because obviously that would be a bit of a challenge to pull off technically, but it's not impossible. And they would at least have quite a lot of actual footage to work with in terms of Carrie's performance. So, but yeah, that's very much like spitballing. You know, there's nothing solid to base that on, but it's a possibility for them. Yeah, 
it's fascinating to think through all the possibilities and I think whatever they come up with we're going to be surprised by because there's so much now that we can't anticipate yeah um, I mean, now we know that Leia's going to be, or at least the footage that they have of Carrie, she's in two different costumes. Yeah. So are they going to give her a completely new one? Is ILM going to work its magic? And I don't know. It's so cool to think about. Yeah. I think it's pretty safe to say they're going to have to give her like new costumes digitally because, yeah, they're going to need to make it cohesive in some way. And they also can't make it be tied too closely visually to The Force Awakens of The Last Jedi. Because otherwise yeah. it would instantly stand out as wrong. It's like, hang on, why is Leia stuck back in time like this? Yeah. It's going to be just so interesting to see how believable it becomes because it could very easily take you out of it, right? Yeah. Because we know that it's not really Carrie filming those scenes with these current actors. Yes. So it's going to have to be done so seamlessly. Yeah. Have you seen Gladiator, the Russell Crowe film? Yeah. Um, I didn't know this and I... If I have seen Gladiator, I don't really remember it, to be honest. It was a long time ago. But, yeah, I haven't seen it for ages. Yeah, but. but the actor Oliver Reed in that film, he um died during production, so he wasn't able to film all his scenes. Okay. And they used like a mix of CGI and clever editing and doubles and everything to basically complete his performance without him. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, so there's some quite interesting clips you can watch from that like on youtube that are a good reference point and that's very impressive because that film's obviously from 2000 mm-hmm. and what they could do back then it looked pretty photorealistic and seamless and it's like wow they could do that then they could be really really sophisticated about it now okay i might have to rewatch that then yeah because yeah seems like a challenge yeah no it is and it's an interesting like study in what is possible um, although of course in Gladiator it was a bit different because at least he'd filmed most of his scenes for that particular movie, whereas mm-hmm. Carrie obviously didn't film anything for Episode Nine, like yeah. due to the timing of the tragedy. Um, but yeah, no, there's lots of possibilities open to them, and yeah, the most intriguing thing is, like you said earlier, Kirsty, what on earth could this last Jedi footage be? Because we just have no reference point for cut layer material. And like you say, Ryan in that interview is obviously saying, oh, it's insignificant. It's just like connective tissue, basically. Like, how true is that? Especially when you also get Todd Fisher like implying, oh, it's this huge stuff. It's really explosive. Fans are going to be really surprised. You know, what could that involve? Yeah, there's only one thing and it's only a theory at this point. There's one shot of the behind the scenes footage that we got before the movie came out Mm. um, from last summer. And... um, it looks, even though they're ma- they're basically obscured by cameras and other people and that, but it looks potentially like Adam Driver and Carrie Fisher were there together. Mm. But we don't know if that was to like film a scene or if it was just for promotional shots or anything. Yeah. Um. So I know that a lot of fans are really holding on to the idea that there could potentially be something filmed between them, yeah. but that's literally the only lead that we have. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so tantalizing. <laughs> You know, but I think another main takeaway for me from this is also that basically everything that's coming out is saying to me that I think Leia is going to be alive in this film. I don't think they're going to kill her off in it. Oh, me neither. Yeah, because before this news came out about what they were going to do with Leia in episode nine, I really did think that could was really the only way they could go. But if they're yeah, going to because... be incorporating footage from Last Jedi and The Force Awakens, that sounds like they really do want to make it something quite significant. You know, as significant as possible, anyway. 
Yeah, our understanding of Leia's part in Nine has changed completely now because we knew that they'd said no to CG and we were really sceptical of the idea of recasting mm. um, because it would have been so hard to find the right person. Yeah. Um, but now it's like, yeah, they, they're going to have her in the movie and it won't be as significant a part as if she had been, still been alive to film it because we know that it was going to be Leia's movie. Uh, but um, yeah, it seems like they, they really want to make a good attempt at having her in the story and it it wouldn't make sense to me based on what we've been hearing for her to die in the movie now yeah so like how how can they do that so yeah no that would feel very peculiar like if they're putting all this effort into assembling a performance from footage that they already have so i really don't think they'd go to that extreme if like it would just like we see a shot of leia's ship and then it blows up you know yeah, and that way you can have extra stories of her afterwards as well. Yeah, which is fantastic. And I know that there's quite a few fans who like are upset about the fact that they've been killing off the old heroes. And so I think it would help to leave things on this note of hope if Leia lived on, even though Carrie didn't. Especially with Lando coming back too. Yeah, exactly. Everyone lives! <laughs> Just so, Sorry, Doctor Who Just reference. So Doctor Who reference. <laughs> A, ho- a hopeful ending, please. Yeah, please. <laughs> Cough, Ben Dempson. <laughs> just all of it. Like, I just want Ray to be happy and Finn to be happy and Rose to be happy. And yeah. We want a final shot, like, Return of the Jedi, where, like, everyone's <laughs> linking arms and doing big, goofy grins, including the redeemed Ben Solo and they're all buddies. It might be a bit more bittersweet than that. <laughs> You got to dream big, Kirsty. Dream big or go home. <laughs> oh goodness. Um, right. Then the next thing to just mention, and this is really a relatively quick mention. So There's not much of a story. Is that we have the whereabouts of lots of the cast members of the la. Oh god. We have the whereabouts of lots of the cast members of Episode Nine because basically we knew that John was filming because of that shot from JJ's Twitter. But we didn't have authoritative information on where everyone else was. And then Oscar Isaac hosted a charity event for a cause called London for Guatemala. And that was held at the Everyman Cinema in Muswell Hill on Thursday, August 2nd. So the day after filming started. And some very, very lucky people got to see, among others, Daisy Ridley, Adam Driver... Donald Gleeson and of course Oscar Isaac himself so yeah it was very star-studded and it seemed like a good chunk of the Star Wars cast turned out which is really exciting and it's also proof that those people are all gathered in London for filming now so yeah I'm I'd imagine that it's probably a mix of them being needed to do a table read just before filming started so they probably had to come over for that and that I imagine they're all also going to have to start shooting their own material soon. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. very exciting stuff. Yeah, because Adam was shown in New York recently filming a new Jim Jarmusch film, right? Yeah. That zombie one. It all seemed to be cutting pretty fine and it was like, oh, okay, so they're all going to start filming at the same time or... Because they're going to have promo going on for other movies as well because I think Donal and Adam and Oscar all have other movies coming out this summer. Yes, um, that's right. So... It'll be interesting to see if they go off to promote those or if they're kind of absent from those press tours. Yeah. So I know Adam hasn't done any press for Black Clansman since Cannes. 
So right. I don't think he's involved, to be honest. Um, which is a shame. It's always nice to see Adam in a nice three-piece suit. But Well, he's also getting Oscar buzz for the role. So I thought he might have to go away to do stuff for that if he's campaigning. But maybe it's too early for that kind of thing. Yeah, it could be too early. And you, I guess you also never know what's coming down the pipeline with like the festival movies that come out in the autumn. So they might mm-hmm. see where things stand after like October and TIFF and everything and then make okay. a decision. Um, but yeah, no, it was fantastic to see everyone gathering and yeah, like it's very exciting. It really shows that the wheels are in motion. Um, th- of the appearance of everyone, everyone pretty much looked as you'd expect them to look for their Star Wars roles, including Adam having a big, thick head of hair. Absolutely Shocking. not bald. Not bald. My mind is blown. Anyway. I can't believe Baldo Ren isn't a thing. Are you crying? Like tears I'm, of pain I'm and really regret. mourning it. I'm yeah, I'm in grief over Boulder. <laughs> <laughs> How will my life go on? Slimo helpfully pointed out the other day that they can perform magic and give him a bold cap or anything. So. Yeah, they could. Or they could like CGI out his hair if they really wanted to. So there's still I hope for Boulder Ren. <laughs> <laughs> live the dream, Kirsty, live the dream. Um yeah, so the only one who really didn't look quite like their Star Wars character to me was Donal, because he seemed to have a bit of a beard going on. Of course he can shave. Um, <laughs> and he definitely did not look like Hux in any way, because Hux is obviously very like, meticulous looking. I think, seriously, of all the cast members, I think Donal looks the least like his character. Would you agree with that? I guess, because they can very easily like slick his hair up and that and give it a trim or whatever. Yes. Um, Obviously, he looks a lot more relaxed than Hux does. Um, yes. But yeah, but maybe, maybe Hux does have a beard at the beginning. Maybe he's like slowly degrading at the, the hands of Supreme Leader Kylo Ren. He's just feeling utterly humiliated and doesn't have any power anymore. And he's like, why bother shaving? Why bother maintaining these beautiful sideburns? That'd be amazing. Like, imagine if he's just, like, on the deck of, like, this big Star Destroyer, but he's in, like, a dressing gown and slippers, like, unshaven and, like, really disheveled. I mean, he he looked worse in The Last Jedi than he did in The Force Awakens, so the stress is just piling on. (laughs) It's true. It would actually be really cool if they started out Episode Nine with, like, Hux in prison or something. Like and then he just sits in prison for the rest of the movie, and he serves no narrative purpose. But the film will just occasionally cut back to him, <laughs> just to like see what he's doing. And yeah, it would just serve no point. But it just no. Be like... He's he's got to break out and then try to kill Kylo. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I I do want that plot. <laughs> Please let us see Hux overthrow Kylo. Or he goes after Ray because he was told that she killed Snoke. Ooh, I'd like And then that. Kylo's like, oh my god, I can't believe I implicated my girlfriend. <laughs> like, oh no, my darling. Oh, I'll save you from the ginger beast. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Call us JJ. Yeah. It's not too late. We yeah. can change the plot. You know you can just adapt our fanfiction, right, JJ? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, right, but to move on from that, then the other really quick thing to discuss is that John Baker, who's... Like, is he the only cast member left standing on social media, really? Yes. Yeah. Apart from Mark. Yeah, that's true. Mark's also quite active. But I guess the only young cast member still standing on social media. No disrespect, Mark. Um, <laughs> yeah, so John is very active on Instagram. and He's been posting all kinds of Star Wars-related things. 
and he posted a nice shot of him and presumably near Miyaki from the caption hugging like and he wrote welcome to a whole new world near Miyaki and yeah it's just a really sweet picture it's also a great excuse for John to show off like his incredibly I was going to say arms. <laughs> this as as lovely and yeah sentimental as it is this is what I call the Kim Kardashian Instagram <laughs> because <laughs> because it's when people like oh, happy birthday to my best friend, blah, blah, or, oh, love this person so much, but really it's about showing off how good they look. Yes. Because this is arm. <laughs> like, his arm and, looks almost you know, as thick as his head. Respect. It's crazy. He looks good and he knows it. And, yeah. And in all seriousness, it's lovely for him to welcome Naomi because, obviously, they are two of the black British actors in the cast, which is a huge deal. Mm-hmm. representation matters yes and um yeah i wish we saw more of her face but maybe there were more photos taken and we'll see them at a later date yeah exactly maybe there's some big secret about her appearance or something oh that's true yeah, yeah. and i actually seen this picture of john with naomi it does make me think perhaps it is naomi in that shot from jj on the first day because seeing john and naomi hugging like that that does imply that they're probably going to be working together maybe Again, it's, it might be a reach, but it's just a possibility. And again, you're going to totally eye-roll me for this, so I apologise in advance. But And I know this is a lazy theory, but just say, for the sake of argument, that Naomi Aki is playing some kind of like daughter of Lando, then I do think there would be some kind of like poetry in her like driving the Falcon, you know, taking over her dad's old ship, at least for a little bit. So that That's has the true. potential to be cool. Yeah, I've yeah. There are plenty of theories going around about her being Lando's daughter or Finn's long lost sister because we obviously got a hint of him talking about his family and how he was taken away from them in the Force Awakens. But the the whole emphasis has been on Ray's parentage. But maybe we get Finn reunited with family. Yeah, I'm not subscribing to any of those theories, and I personally would prefer it if she was a brand new character unrelated to anyone. Yeah. But I can understand why people would want Finn to have like a family storyline like that. Yeah. I'd be fine with Naomi playing Lando's daughter, but I really wouldn't want to see um, John play Lando's son. So I think that's just super lazy and it's way too convenient oh, uh, as well. I don't mean like those two theories are the same thing. Oh, okay. That like Finn is revealed as Lando's son. I mean like <laughs> Naomi could either be Lando's daughter or Finn's sister. <laughs> right. Yeah. But anyway, to sum up, it's a very sweet picture. And yeah, it's nice that John has been such a good buddy. While also showing off his nice, nice arms. Yeah, and who can blame him, yeah, honestly? Exactly. If you have arms like that, you should be proud of them. Um, right. So then, we also wanted to discuss an interview with E.K. Johnston about her new Padme novel. And would you care to read this, Kirsty? Sure, so this is from StarWars.com. I know you can't say much about Queen's Shadow, but what can you tell me about your Padme fandom? Well, it's funny, because my favourite character in Star Wars is Leia, but Padme is my Doctor, which is a Doctor Who fandom thing, where, like, the Doctor you love the most is your Doctor, and Padme for Star Wars is my Doctor. (laughs) She's the character that got me back into Star Wars when I was 14. She's the character that helped me make all of my friends in Star Wars. I was 14 and she was 14 in The Phantom Menace, and I thought we would get along pretty well once I learned to be a super spy like the rest of her friends. And so I really wanted more of that story. When they were like, hey, do you want to write this book? And I was like, do I get The Handmaidens? 
And they were like, yes, we just rolled from there. So it's fantastic to take these super smart, super fantastic girls and just write their stories and their relationships and all that kind of stuff. StarWars.com. There hasn't been a ton of extra stories about Padme. EK. No, there has not. StarWars.com. <laughs> so what has that been like, charting that territory? The timeline is actually pretty compressed, and I can't get into that very much, but it was really kind of fun to work with what we have and know that we're going to have more. Like when I saw that art of a Tim's book, the Padme poster in the Barnes & Noble exclusive edition of Thrawn Alliances, I was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, even though I knew what my art looked like. So it's been fantastic to get all of that together. There keeps being more, which is great. Without spoiling anything, what do you want people to learn or understand about Padme that they might not have before? I think a lot of what Padma does in the movies goes on inside her head, so her brilliance and her political acumen, you don't necessarily see it play out in the movies. Because she's so smart, she doesn't explain what she's doing. Getting to kind of get inside her head a little bit and write from the perspective of inside her head, you sort of see how smart and how talented and how deeply compassionate she is. In a dress that weighs 80 billion pounds or in a suit for sneaking around or whatever, she has it covered because she knows herself and she knows her friends so well. It's a really nice interview and I already had confidence in this book and the author to like know Padme well and do a good job but yeah I really like the view of the character she seems to have and that emphasis on her compassion which I really appreciate because I think that's something that comes across in the movies of course but I think it especially comes across in some of the deleted scenes like I remember there's one of the deleted scenes from I think Attack of the Clones where Anakin visits Padme at home and they go into like her childhood bedroom and she has pictures up on the wall of like the orphans that she helped when she was in some kind of like program for promising young politicians or something, you know? And it's that sort of thing that really informs her character and it sounds like we're going to get that alluded to in this book, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she seems to genuinely love her and is excited, like we have been, about the prospect of writing Padme from her perspective. Um, let's experience the Star Wars universe through Padme's eyes because so far that hasn't really been the case mm. um, and yeah like seeing more of her relationships with the Handmaidens I think that would be really great yeah no exactly as we've said before more female friendships in Star Wars please hmm. I think it's interesting that she says that Leia's her favourite character but Padme's her doctor and I'm just trying to work out what the difference there is yeah <laughs> <laughs> that to me seems like Leia's my favourite but then Padme's my favourite yeah it does kind of come across that way to be honest I'm not sure that's particularly well expressed but I guess it's a way of saying I really love Padme but she's not quite my favourite like mm. you know so I, yeah but and that's fine like Padme doesn't need to be your favourite character it's just a funny way of going about saying it it's almost like she's afraid to admit that yeah actually I prefer Leia but I do also re still really love Padme Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if there are any connections between the two characters. Because um, obviously we got that in Leia Princess of Alderaan when Leia goes to Naboo and speaks to the current queen and even tries on a dress that Padme wore. Yes. Um, but yeah, maybe we'll get some more mother-daughter parallels. Yeah. It'd also be nice to see some interaction between Leia and Bale as well. You mean Padme and Bale? Oh yeah, Padme and Bale. Sorry, let me repeat that. <laughs> It would also be nice to see some interaction between Bale and Padme as well, because in the movies, mm -hmm. do we first see them interact in Attack of the Clones? Is that right? I think so. I know for a fact that Bale Organa isn't in The Phantom Menace. No, he's not. So it must have been Attack of the Clones at the earliest, and he was definitely in Revenge of the Sith. 
Um, but yeah, it would be interesting to see where that friendship started, you know, and how that developed. So, yes, we will see. Yeah, he's in Attack of the Clones, but not very much. But then I guess that's also true of Revenge of the Sith. So. Yeah, I think in Attack of the Clones, he's probably like literally just seen standing behind Padme. She's like talking to Palpatine and trying to like argue Right, the case. that's it, yeah. Yeah. Right, then we're just going to move on to some quick listener questions. And the first is from Andy on Twitter. And so he actually asks two questions. The first, what level of familiarity do you guys have with the old EU and how has that informed your perception of the new EU, if at all? You go first, Kirsty. Um, Not an awful lot, to be honest. So mm. I've read part of the Thrawn trilogy. I haven't read the whole thing. I couldn't get through it. Yeah. And I've read the Revan book and i'm in the middle of courtship of princess leia <laughs> i need to get back to it it's at home so i can't read it right now um and i played knights of the old republic as well nice but that's about it and just other stuff like i've absorbed through osmosis of being in the fandom like oh i know that there was a clone called luke don't you mean luke was that not two years luke yeah, but it's just more fun to make it as extended Luke. as possible. <laughs> like, literally, it's just oh, it's so dumb. The, well, this is the thing. You hear things like that, and it doesn't really endear you to the old EU. And I'm sure there are great stories, and I know people love it very much. Mm. But you only hear about the crazy stuff that's like, oh my god, I don't think I could take that seriously. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm going to be completely honest. Like, I haven't read any of the EU books. And... I don't know I guess it's just hard for me to summon up the desire to actually pick any of them up you know and read them because obviously I know that they don't really inform the current canon anymore like, I know that the authors of the new EU can pick and choose like elements from the old EU if they want to use any and as long as it's all approved and agreed and everything they can go ahead but yeah that's not enough for me and I'd, there's already so much Star Wars content and I feel like I don't even have enough time for all the new EU stuff that I always have to be selective and I certainly don't have time to go back and read these books that don't really inform the current story at all if that makes sense yeah I mean I think it's just a case of like if you had been reading them before Disney mm. got Star Wars right yeah so of course we weren't so I've had time to dip into it a little bit but it's our focus is on the new EU, so yeah. Like, I, and to be honest, mm-hmm. I don't understand. I think it would actually be a real struggle if you were like super entrenched in the old EU, which I know a lot of fans are, and then trying to separate what counts as old canon versus new canon. I would be so confused. Yeah, it'd get very messy. Oh, I guess the old novelizations aren't canon anymore either. Yeah, so. no, they're not. So in that case, I have read one old EU book, and that's the Revenge of the Sith novelization. And that's incredible. That's really, really great. So I can't recommend that highly enough. So yeah, yeah. I know you're still hoping that Matthew Stover will write a new Star Wars novel. Yeah, I, I do sincerely hope that. I, I, I think he said that he's not interested, which is oh, fair enough. On. But <sighs> it's a shame. Yeah, we're missing out on some raw, pure talent. But still, there <laughs> is plenty of new talent in in the. Um, there's plenty of new talent in the game now to make up for it, so it all balances out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next um, question that Andy had was actually a suggestion for an episode, but I think this is actually something I do want to do an episode on. I- I've been like suggesting it to people on Twitter, and they seem really enthusiastic. Mm. 
So maybe we should save it. Well, we could get a guest. Okay. Because I know you don't have an awful lot of time to read fanfic. Yeah. I read a lot of fanfic mm. and I have a lot of strong feelings on it. Yeah. So basically Andy is asking us what our favourite tropes and pairings and what our own fic ideas would be. I know you've written some fanfic. Mm. So... Oh yeah, no, like, and, I, and don't get me wrong, I do read Star's fanfiction, quite a lot of it actually. It's just I tend to read like one shots because I have the attention span of like a gnat. So, well, those are valid too. You can talk about those. They are valid, but again, like an, another problem I find with fanfiction is that by its nature, a lot of it's quite repetitive. Don't get me wrong, like there's lots of very singular, unique and standout stories that are very much their own thing. But in my mind, it kind of turns into like this congealed mush of stories sometimes. Okay. So that's why I, I find it a bit more difficult to talk about. But I, I would definitely still be open to having an episode on it and talking about the subject at more length. I could just like think about what I'm reading in a more reflective way than I do normally. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I consume a lot of it, but there are certain stories that I'd prefer to talk about because they've just stayed with me. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, we, yeah. so we can plan that. Um, but yeah, just quickly, do you have any favourite tropes then, like in fan fiction? Um, I'll read anything, and if it's well written, you know, that's that's good enough for me. Yeah. So I know after The Force Awakens, there was a lot of fan fiction in the Raylo fandom that Rey and Kylo had like known each other when they were younger, and there was a, a hugely influential um fic called light young gods mm. that um was like they trained at luke's jedi temple together and then snoke seduced kylo away so and then like obviously there's a second part and things get resolved but um there was that kind of thing a lot and i guess for a long time the force bond was a trope in fanfic before it became canon yeah so. that was the best <laughs> yeah like, I think there's lots of exciting tropes in Raylo fanfiction. Like, for AU tropes, I quite like um, royalty AU ones, you know, where, like, Ben is a prince and Ray's... Arranged marriage. Yeah, like, arranged marriage, or, like, Ray's, like, a scrappy peasant, and then through, like, a series of hijinks, they end up getting involved, that sort of thing. I, I tend to find those kinds of stories quite fun. Um, and I also quite like the ones where it's like AU in terms of like what if Ray said yes <laughs> or like if Ray made like a bargain to go with Ben yeah. to save the resistance that sort of thing like when that's done well that can be really compelling and fascinating mm -hmm. have you read Landscape with a Blur of Conquerors I've read about half of it it's, it's really really good but it's very like intricate and detail oriented so, yeah, so that was what I was thinking of because you said like the royalty arranged marriage where, but um, I was thinking of that earlier when I was talking about the courtship of Princess Leia because her dad in that story obviously is, spoiler alert if anyone's going to read the story, it's Princess Alder who is courting Leia in that book. Mm. So one thing I li really like about that writer is that she brings in a lot of EU things. So then that gets you intrigued by the EU and then you, you can go away and start reading things because you've been introduced to them in that format. Yeah. No, like I want to go back and read Landscape for Blur of Congressms properly. So I f think what I also often do is I'll... Obviously these stories, they're published chapter by chapter. So I'll read the latest chapter, but then it will have been a while since I read the previous chapters. Oh yeah, I always click back and just read like the last few paragraphs to remind me. Yeah. 
no so <laughs> i i just need to give it a bit more headspace i think and then i'll get more out of it yeah now that i'm thinking about it there is another trope i really like uh, mm-hmm. i really like the use of padme in some fanfics mm. with Rey and Kylo, which is obviously it has to be an AU because she's dead and canon, but um, there's this really great one called Satellites, I think, by Ninja. Mm-hmm. And um, so Ben is a senator. Mm-hmm. So he's got this relationship with Padme. Mm-hmm. So that's like the, the family member that he's closest to. Is and she Rey alive is... in the story? Yes. Ooh, nice. Um, so Anakin is gone, but he's... Um, he was Rey's master as a Jedi. So it's a kind of about Rey and Ben meeting under those circumstances. That's really cool. Yeah, it's really well written, but I think she must be busy in her own life because she only updates sporadically, but I get very excited when she does. <laughs> it's like, ooh, <laughs> inbox notification, yay! Exactly. No, that's always very cool. Um, right. Uh, I think we should come up with our fanfic idea another time. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. There's, I mean, mm. the stuff that we were talking about earlier, you know, like there's lots of silliness and I, I like a lot of crack fic as well, where this, the premise is very silly, but yeah. the writer can pull it off and make it entertaining. Yeah, no, because we could do it like a round robin fic where one person like says a sentence, like in terms of something that happens and then the next person continues it. That can be fun. Yeah, you know, I know some people who write fics together and they will like one person will write one chapter and then the next person writes the next one. Or, like, they'll just kind of have a Google Doc and mm. they'll write them together. So they'll just write whatever they can. Um, like Erin from Meta Machina, she's writing one with her friend, a Sepulchre of Prayer, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Which is really great. Like, that's one of the post-TLJ canonverse fix that I've really enjoyed. Yeah. And I like it when the Knights of Ren are prominent characters as well because they're kind of more foils for Kylo to play off of and everything. Yeah. No, that is but fun. yeah, like I, I don't know how people do that, but they do, and, it's, and it works great. So they must just be able to find people who have very similar writing styles and interests to them, and they just gel. Yeah, no, it's really cool. We should totally co-write a published work at some point. That'd be funny. <laughs> God. <laughs> okay, so the next question is from an Anon on Tumblr. I'm somewhat worried with all these new rumours of these new characters in episode 9. I understand that some new characters are needed, but it sounds like there could be too many. With the way The Last Jedi ended, Kylo and Rey need a lot of time to develop their relationship and possibly restore balance. After all, they are the central dynamic. Do you think episode 9 could get a little too sidetracked with time on these new characters, or do you think JJ will keep it focused on Kylo and Rey's story? Um, I'm not worried about this at all. They've announced three new cast members for episode 9, so Kerry Russell, Naomi Aki and Richard E. Grant. We don't know how big or small those roles will be. But you've also got to remember that The Last Jedi took a lot of people out of commission. Yeah, a lot of people died. Yeah, so like Holdo has gone permanently. Snoke is gone, hopefully permanently. Um, Luke is dead, even though he'll obviously back, be back as a Force ghost. And Phasma? Phasma is dead. And although we know that Leia will be in the film, it is likely to be in a relatively small role because of Carrie's passing. So... To be honest, they need new characters mm-hmm. um, because the new characters will provide things like the conflict and the tension that you wouldn't get otherwise. You need these new ingredients in a story to keep it fresh and to keep it dynamic because there has to be some kind of wild card introduced to like unsettle things and change the status quo. Yeah, and we have no idea how significant these roles will be at this point. Um 
so a role in The Last Jedi that actually made a big footprint to me mm. was Commander Daisy. Yes. But she's a minor character. Yeah. So she's just there as part of Poe's storyline. Yes. But she's really handy for exposition and kind of explaining more stuff about Holdo's relationship with Leia and like just kind of facilitating that side of the story. But you don't feel like the story's sidetracked and becomes Commander Daisy a Star Wars story. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like they're just if if the writing is good, they're there to serve a purpose within the wider narrative and they support the arcs of the major characters. Yeah. Um so she she's one of my favourite minor characters in the new canon, but she's not like a major character. She's not you know, it's not it, the, the, these people get announced and you have no idea. So it's really early days. Yeah. And uh, we'll just see what happens. But I, I'm not worried either. Yeah. It's like what um, it's like what Ryan said about how he wrote The Last Jedi in that he like crafted the character dynamics because he wanted to test each character. So Poe had Holdo, Finn had Rose, and Rey obviously had two existing characters and Luke and Kylo. But yeah, the whole point is that... Oh yeah, and Finn also had DJ, of course. Um, and that's another character who probably won't appear in episode 9 unless they're keeping Benicio or Toro a big surprise, which I doubt. Um, but yeah, the point of that is that they introduced all these new characters just to serve the existing characters' stories. So like Kirsty says, it's not about distracting from the main characters or taking away from them. It's just about trying to view them through a slightly different lens. Yeah, I mean, let's take Richard E. Grant as an example... I still don't have any firm theories for what he role he could play, but I know a popular idea because of his previous roles is that he could be a First Order officer. Mm. Um, and I think that could be very valuable for the narrative because obviously we have Kylo and Hux as foils to each other, but then you need someone to represent the wider system. Yes. And Hux, his relationship with Kylo has now reached this point of like a very personal vendetta. Um, so he's emblematic of the order in certain ways that Kylo can't be even as supreme leader. Mm. Um, he's still positioned as this outsider who's left by himself at the end, mournfully on the floor. Yeah. Um, but it would be useful to have another officer there. Um, it's just we we can't say right now. It's still so early. Yeah. So. Exactly. So especially if you think in terms of the first order, because with Snoke and Phasma gone. And Captain Kennedy. And Captain Kennedy, everyone's <laughs> fave, like who stole the show in The Last Jedi. Five bloody minutes ago. <laughs> He's such a classic character. <laughs> yeah, so basically the First Order's ranks in terms of the characters that we see the most of and that are most critical to the plot, they're very diminished. So we need someone there, basically, whether it's Kerry Russell or whether it's Richard E. Grant. They need more people there to mix things up and keep it lively. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. Nothing to be afraid of. Right. And then the last one for today is... An- oh, I wish I'd been prepared for this one. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like I want to bring something really emotional and I have no clue right now. My mind is blank. Um, right, so the last one is from an anon on Tumblr. I know you ladies are serious podcasters, but if you could answer this silly question, what is your dream headcanon first Raylo kiss in episode 9? Oh my god. I don't know how to answer this, I'm sorry. Um, this is not a silly question, this is a very important, serious question. It's the most important question in the whole of Star <laughs> Okay, maybe not, but yes, it is a very important question. Um, I'd like something very melodramatic and over the top, like 
they've just both been cornered by like an enemy faction and they've had to fight for their lives again for the first time since um, the supremacy when they fought together against the Praetorian guards and then when it ends this time like before Kylo can say anything and screw it all up Rey charges over to him and gives him a big old kiss (laughs) actually yeah that's my head kind of that it's Rey doing it yeah I I want Rey to be in control um and yeah, I'd like something like that due to the poetry in terms of revisiting that scenario, but actually getting it right, because we all know that's what should have happened in The Last Jedi. So, Yeah, I do think they have to revisit that scenario, whether there's an actual kiss or not, mm. um, just because that's kind of the format of those types of stories, that it's like, okay, it got screwed up in The Force Awakens when he has to be her teacher, then it got screwed up again, so it's fair times a charm, right? Yes. Um, but it has to be subverted in some way, and that's why I think, like you say, it's probably Ray taking the reins. Yeah. So that's but why I'm, I had Canon. Yeah, but if I had more time and I, I knew about this question in advance, <laughs> I could probably have come up with a specific fanfic scenario. Yeah, I literally put this question in the notes about like two minutes before we started recording. It was a bit bad. Well, no, I mean it's just sorry to disappoint, but <laughs> <laughs> I will say that anything I come up with could not be a patch on what. J.J. Abrams and Ryan are able to deliver because, you know, they're the OG Raylos, so. Yeah, exactly. We trust their creative powers. Oh, and also there should be fireworks going off in the background, just because. I disagree. Okay. (laughs) Well, then we'll come back to that another episode. We should make one of the podcast ideas a debating episode where we both choose topics that we have highly polarised opinions on and then we have to debate it until one person admits defeat. So Okay, that sounds like fun. Okay, great. You should totally list that in the poll. Um, right, I think that's probably us done for this episode. Um, you fly back next weekend, right, Kirsty? Yeah, I'll be back in America on Sunday. Okay, cool. So I think we'll probably need to skip next week, maybe? Um, Maybe. Yeah, but we can cross that bridge when we come to it, basically. I yeah, just wanted to give people by, yeah. some kind of warning, so just so that they know that there might not be an episode then, and that is a jolly good reason if there isn't. Um, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed recording this, and we will be back, whether it's in one week or two. So, yeah, and keep an eye out on Twitter for the mysterious poll that we have promised, because, yeah, it'll be exciting stuff, and you'll get your say. Um, so yeah, I'm Rachel. You can find me at Star Wars and Nonsense on Tumblr and at Journal of the Star Wars on WordPress. Where can people find you, Kirsty? I'm Bastila Bay on Tumblr and Scavengers Horde on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, bye! Bye!